power on. The following is a presentation of the Sovereign Tech Podcast feed. And now for another fast-breaking news story, we go to our roving reporter. The podcast, Sovereign Tech. Its host, Dr. Brian Sovereign. The tech giants try to stop Sovereign Tech. They can't. The man of tomorrow here with something a little different um, and something I'm very honored by. I was asked uh, by Ernie Hancock, which, of course, you may have heard me recently on his podcast, on his show, Declare Your Independence. Uh, I was asked by Ernie to uh, he gave me a call. I was in the middle of I think I was making protein bars, quite frankly, <laughs> but he gave me a call and I answered. And he said, Golden Stallion. I need you. <laughs> I need you. I want you to write an article for the Freedoms Phoenix newspaper. Now, to understand what this is, you can actually go to freedomsphoenix.com. I'll link to it in the show notes. To understand what this is, this is something, I mean, it actually goes into print. It's available for people. Uh, it's also available as a PDF once it goes uh, live. I believe this issue is set to go live uh, at the end of November. Um, and he's done the, a few of these, but it's not like it's something done all the time. Uh, but it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, and I have read uh, previous issues. Uh, I mean, just great works from Paul Rosenberg, you know, and others. I, I mean, I, I just I love it. Uh, so when he asked me to write for it. I said, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't even think twice about it. Um, such an honor. And I know my paltry writing uh, <laughs> will, uh, will be alongside um, some of the best names, uh, you know, in this whole, uh, uh, you know, empowerment of the individual space um, that, uh, that Ernie has really been, you know, spearheading forwarding, uh, you know, since 2005. But what I thought uh, would be really cool to do um, ahead of its release would be and, and to entice people to, to get their hands on it and to promote it perhaps as well, uh, would be to do an audio recording of what I wrote for issue or for this latest issue of the Freedoms Phoenix newspaper. And that's what I have here now for some context of, you know, Ernie had a thing in mind he wanted me to write. And I, I think that I delivered on that. Um, but the thought process here is that, you know, come Thanksgiving, people are going to be, uh, you know, in 2021, people are going to be talking about, Hey, how the hell do we get out of Dodge? How do we get out from, uh, you know, <laughs> from underneath the man as it were. And I think he's right. I think that is a conversation that's going to be happening. People are, you know, are going to want to, they want to change things up. And when they get together, they're going to realize, I think how much they really, you know, that's all they, perhaps all they really want is just to be together. And, you know, how can they make that happen? Uh, you know, in, in more inspiring and efficacious ways. 
And so I am, what I've written is certainly meant for the layman. Um, it is about alternatives to a lot of the, uh, you know, software and apps and some hardware, uh, that people generally use. Okay. So understand that what I wrote, you know, is, is not necessarily for the tech savvy. It's for the tech becoming savvy. It's for, you know, those are very new to, you know, things that are old hat for sovereign tech, right? Um, these are people who don't perhaps understand open source. This is for people who don't, uh, you know, know that there are options that you don't have to use the tech giants technology, right? You don't have, or their software, you don't have to use Google. You don't have, you know, they just, they have no idea about a lot of these things. And so that is the audience, uh, that I am trying to reach, uh, with, with what I wrote. And so while for longtime sovereign tech listeners, you know, people who've been listening over the past decade, you know, this might be, you know, old news to you for other people. This is an introduction to a whole new world. And I even titled the story and I don't know if it's going to end up with the title in the, you know, in the, in the actual newspaper, but what I titled it is pioneers of the private digital frontier. Now that, that probably sounds like a great title to a book and <laughs> who knows, maybe it will be one day. Um, but that, that's, that's what I titled it, uh, to entice people, to let them know that they are stepping into, you know, a new future when they start to get away from the technology that seems to be more or less forced on them or to where they, you know, again, that they don't realize, you know, that they have a choice. They, they have no idea. It's like, wait, what do you mean you can use a computer and not connect it to the internet? What do you mean? You know, all of this. And so it's, it's a piece that I wrote. It's about 1800 words. It's a piece that I wrote that gives a bit of history, gives a sense of the present, what you can do in the present. And it ends off, you know, looking at the future. Nothing too wild. Again, remember who the audience is that I'm trying to reach out with this. But, you know, so everything had to be what somebody could install or use or do right now. Okay. Now, it might not be, you know, 100% open source. It might not be, you know, follow, uh, you know, this, this, this concept of, of DAPs, not DAPs, DAPs, you know, decentralized, anonymous, private security. Um, I, I coined that way before DAPs were a thing you know, way before that kind of daps. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, again, longtime sovereign tech listeners will know about that. Um, I didn't use that term cause I didn't want to, there to be any confusion. Um, you know, with blockchain tech, uh, as supportive as I am of that, uh, you know, I didn't want there to be any confusion in this. So again, understand the audience that I'm trying to reach with this, but understanding that audience, maybe somebody listening to this or someone that you share this little episode with, is the person that needs to hear it is the person that, you know, that it is meant for. So I'm recording this as an audio version because perhaps that's a little more snackable, uh, for people to check out. Um, I will link to freedomsphoenix.com so you can go and, you know, you can read the entire newspaper because I know there's going to be incredible people, uh, you know, included in that, uh, you know, when that gets released, Okay. And again, I believe it's end of November that that will be released because there's going to be a lot more actionable stuff in there. I guarantee you, uh, I will also link to in the show notes, everything that I recommend and talk about, um, in this article. That way people can go right and start installing it. Okay. 
Um, and some of the links here, you know, may go to a major website or, you know, might go to, maybe I'll include the Google play store link. So you can easily click through to that. I know what you're saying. The Google play store again, you know, I love you guys, the gals and Z's. Okay. Remember who this audience is for. Okay. Or you remember what the audience is for this. So yes, you know, there, there will be links for the Google play store. And I think that's important at this stage. I don't see it as incremental. What I see it is, you know, we're not going to get people from a, a to F instantaneously. Okay. It's, it's just, it's, it's too hard of a turn. You've got to get, first you have to educate, get people to understand that you can do things differently, that you don't have to use Google for this, or you don't have to use Apple for this, or you don't have to use Microsoft, or you don't have to use Amazon or whatever. Okay. You got to get people, you know, to understand the options that are readily available and easy to install. And then you can start talking about open source and you can start talking about, you know, uh, you know, distributed networks and, you know, decentralization and all that. And equally, I think it's just as important. And this is where a lot of tech journalists and podcasters, uh, you know, who I am in their number, uh, I think where they fail is that they don't give a sense of history, a real sense of history of where we started, how we got here. And perhaps we weren't meant to get here. We were meant to go in a different direction. These are things that should be discussed. And I think it's been part of the strength of Sovereign Tech over the years. Uh, and so, you know, I it's something I, I'm not going to stop doing. And I hope that uh, it inspires people to consider alternatives. And that's what this is really all about. So with all of that said, enough of my blabbering. Let's get into my article, the audio edition of Pioneers of the Private Digital Frontier. The Internet. Big data, a world interconnected and quantified, the era of the computer, our present reality. Time for a history lesson. You may not realize this, and relax, most don't, but computers were never meant to network together. Hell, decades ago, the word networks wasn't even originally used for when PCs would interconnect with each other. We used to call them work groups. Remember Windows 3.1 for workgroups? Maybe you don't, but that's all right. It was a thing before the internet as we know it. In fact, do you realize that the first web browser for Windows PCs, which up until the past few years was the most installed and used operating system on the planet, only to be usurped by Android, didn't have a web browser until 1995, and even then was only an add-on, not part of Windows by default? Windows was around for a decade before it ever even had a web browser. Try to imagine that today, a computer without a web browser. Sheer madness, you say. Is it? Consider that the foundations of everything we understand a computer to be, the underlying technology, the PC you use at work, your laptop at home, the video game console connected to your TV, or the smartphone in your pocket and all required software were not intended to be interconnected with the rest of the world. Note, certainly there were dreams and schemes of computers being interconnected since the 1960s. See, the mother of all demos, Stanford Research Institute. But remember, at that same time, it was considered laughable that everyday people would ever have computers in their homes. The thinking went that computers were only meant for corporations, governments, and militaries, but I repeat myself, uh, the hubris. 
An awful truth that most developers and tech company CEOs don't want to admit is that many of the security exploits, malware and cyber attacks that plague every computer, including your smartphone, often comes down to the fact that the code running on the computer was written before the Internet was in the wild. Security wasn't a concern because to the software developers sensibilities, their code would never leave your computer. Was privacy and encryption a concern? Not at all. A corporation or government agency couldn't even look at your data without bursting into your home and stealing your PC. And back then, people and communities didn't look too kindly on that kind of intrusion. Is this short-sightedness on the developer's part? Or did they realize something that eludes our present interconnected society? I would argue the latter, and that's why I always argue for keeping your data or information local. You can consider this the digital version of the popular Go Local campaigns. And just like it's easy to find a jar of honey from a local farm or business, I assure you it's just as easy to find software and apps that actually let you use them locally on your device away from malicious actors and unsavory prying eyes. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't encrypt your data or that you can't connect to it remotely while you're on the go. I'm saying you don't have to store it in the cloud for all the world to potentially see at any given moment or via the latest data leak by some corporation or government that swears your data is totally safe in their hands. Let's be honest, there's no such thing as the cloud, only someone else's computer. And would you put that particular picture, text, or whatever file on someone else's computer and trust it? I'm sure we can all operatically sing in unison Nope. So you ask, how do you keep your data and your connections on your own computers and smartphones or within your family or chosen community? It's a lot easier than you may think. No, you don't have to install that thing called Linux if you don't want to, but it does help if you use its cousin, Android. So read on, newly minted intrepid pioneer of the private digital frontier. First off, let's talk about hardware. What devices should you use? Again, our purposes here are to give you control of your data, and this requires a certain agility of devices and app choices. And in our modern interconnected world, you essentially have two options. One, Apple. Two, everything else. Apple does a lot of things right, especially when it comes to security. But Apple is also no friend to giving the user options and control, and it's only getting worse. And if you use Apple products for what we're discussing, it essentially forces everyone else in your circle to use Apple products. In my opinion, that's not a good way to start. But number two was everything else. And what I mean by that is just that. Windows, Android, Linux, Chromebooks, whatever's available. Everything else finds a way to play with everything else, again, unlike Apple, and so this gives you the most choice and interoperability with apps and devices. Keep in mind, though, we're talking about not storing your data on some other company's computers, servers, cloud, so when you're getting your fancy new devices, make sure they have plenty of storage, 128 gigabytes to 2 terabytes at least. Or have the option for expandable storage. Many smartphones and PCs have micro SD card slots where you can add hundreds of gigabytes that rest securely in the device. So now you have your Android smartphone and or your laptop PC that's not Apple. And you're ready to start installing software, apps, and taking control of your data and communications. Side option. We could do an entire column on a device class called a NAS, Network Attached Storage. These computers without a screen essentially become your own 
personal server and your own personal internet, allowing you to share and store documents, music, videos, photos, or any file you can think of encrypted and only share them with people of your choosing. A good NAS will also allow you to use mobile apps that can access what you store on it. This is the ultimate in going local with your data, and they have become very plug and play in recent years. My personal favorites are made by Synology. Again, the recommendations here are just for starters. The private digital frontier has many options and more being developed all the time. Note that my recommendations are generally for Android smartphones and are available in the Google Play Store. However, with Android apps being natively made available on Chromebooks and Windows 11 computers and capable of running on Linux with a little effort or desktop PC versions available, you should be able to install these options on most devices. The Briar app. What if you could communicate with anyone nearby without an internet or cellular connection using only your Android smartphone? That's what the Briar app allows for. Briar is a text messaging app that end-to-end -end encrypts, meaning it's done on the device where it should be, everything you send and receive, and can do so using the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth radios your device already has, no internet required. Granted, this can limit its range, but if you do have an internet connection, it can use your internet or cellular connection and tunnel all of your messages through Tor for extra anonymity and security. Briar has other features including blogging and message boards. Great for local communities. The Plex app. But what about Spotify or Netflix or Google Photos, you may ask? I want to introduce you to the world of Plex. Plex is a media server that you can install, trust me, it's not hard, on your PC and can stream your own music and video files to any other device, be it a tablet, smartphone, laptop, or even app-enabled TVs. It also has the capability of backing up and allowing you to view your photos from your smartphone. It is also an excellent podcast app, and you can even download media from your Plex account to keep it offline if you need it. Granted, you need your own music and video files to stream, and the computer those files are stored on needs to be powered on and connected to at least your home network, it can work without an internet connection, but the benefits of not paying for a bunch of monthly subscriptions and having direct control of your media is a powerful one. You can even share your media library with others. The Obsidian app. Available on desktop PCs and on smartphones, if you are wondering how you are going to write things or make lists without Google Docs or Microsoft Word, fret not. Obsidian is a powerful, and in my opinion, beautiful, word processor app that is free to use and allows for cross-device syncing via your own locally stored vaults. This keeps everything you write, shopping lists, novels, poetry, code, you name it, stored locally but constantly synced and updated across your devices. Obsidian also has a mind mapping feature that makes it much more than just a text editor. Virtual Assistant Apps But what about a virtual assistant app like Alexa, Siri, or Google Assistant? Virtual assistant software can be incredibly helpful in our increasingly complex day-to-day -day lives, but this software often comes at the cost of your data, privacy, and, in many senses, security. How do you feel about having someone constantly listening to and recording you from a thousand miles away? Exactly. I'm not a fan either. This kind of technology is very resource intensive, especially to work well, which is why it's usually only offered by tech giants like Meta, aka Facebook, 
Microsoft, Amazon, Apple, or Google. But recent strides have been made to make this functionality available without using and giving your data over to the tech giants. Stanford's Open Virtual Assistant, Almond, as well as a project called Jarvis are both options, but these can be more than a little complex to set up and as of this writing are best run on desktop computers due to their resource intensive nature. That said, they're still worth mentioning and keeping an eye on, and in the future could potentially replace many of the apps and devices you feel you need to use. Personal, private, remotely available virtual assistant technology is exciting, but it is in the early stages. You're definitely a pioneer if you start experimenting with it now, though. Now with your data relocalized and after all of these options I lay before you and the many more individual empowering apps for you to discover, I say to you, welcome to the frontier.